Good Sunday morning. This is Mike Serg, the voice of Vital Ministries, and it's good to be with you on your Sunday, and especially those of you who are on your drive today. What a beautiful Sunday it is after that great snowstorm that we had on Thursday here in uh, Mahaska County. My understanding, uh, depending on where you were in the county, but anywhere, we had uh, snow anywhere from seven to nine inches, and I say this is probably one of the biggest snows that we've had without a doubt for the year. Everything is, it turned white pretty quick, pretty fast, and then that wind came up, but luckily it didn't come up too hard. Otherwise, we'd still be digging out. But man, what a beautiful time in our state, and we just love that. But be careful on the road out there. I'm sure on some of those uh, sideways and byways, there's some still some uh, slick spots out there. I know my wife sure enjoyed being home for the last couple of days due to the fact of the snow and uh, and whatnot. But it uh, again, it one thing about the snow when we have snowstorms, it slows things down, and sometimes that's not always bad. But uh, again, thank you for listening, being with us today as travel down the highway. Those of you who are headed on their way to church this morning, make sure to uh, just be prepared as you as you go and uh, go into your church to, with expect, uh, expectations of what Holy Spirit's going to speak with you today. What a great time to be amongst other, other believers in the midst of your church. I know I sure enjoy that at our church. We have just a wonderful time. And those of you that say, Mike... This is my Sunday morning worship. This is my time where I get to hear what the word of the Lord is speaking to me. I always want to tell you, hey, I give you a big shout out and thank you so much for being part of Vital Ministries this morning and being a part of your day. But again, uh, we've got uh, just, a, just a few things that are coming up. March 4th is our next Warrior Breakfast at 8 o'clock at Lighthouse Church in New Sharon. You're not going to want to miss that. We have such a great time. We had a, a great group of men. We're praying that we the Lord brings in. Does numbers matter? I don't, you know, I'm not saying that by any means, but I do know that God devoted a whole book in the Bible about numbers, about the the importance of them. But we're praying for 75 men at our next breakfast. We uh, we pushed that envelope pretty pretty hard, almost to 60 this uh, past month. We're just having a great time as, as men joining together, opening up God's Word, having a great breakfast. Meat is always on the menu. Guarantee that. Sausage and bacon. And uh, the rest of it goes along the way. So you don't want to miss out again. That's on March 4th at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8 to 9 at Lighthouse Church in New Sharon, Iowa. Be there. Not It's going to be a great time. Also, too, we send out devotionals. Uh, five days a week for both Vital Life and for Vital Men. We, uh, we have just a great time of writing and uh, just men dedicated to that. So just encourage you to be a part of that in your day. Just uh, make that that extra anointing, that extra nugget in your day to hear what the Word of the Lord has to say. But with that being said, this morning, for the next three weeks, we are going to look at what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple is a person who follows Jesus and accepts and assists in spreading the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the name of our uh, our next three weeks uh, is going to be called "Follow Me," which is in discipleship. And today, our what our teaching is going to be, be about is a prerequisite for discipleship. See, being a disciple comes at a price and a prerequisite of following Jesus. The same is true when you work for a company or an organization. Many years ago in my, my mid-20s, I worked for Pellicorp. I can remember the prerequisite that you had to go through in the, in the, the behind the scenes and to get hired in, in order to work for that company. First, there was the, there was the interview. I was interviewed by uh, one of uh, Pellicorp's 
hiring team, and this man asked me a lot of questions concerning who I was and why did I want to work for Pella and where did I see myself in the next five years, the, the normal interview of the day. You know, I had to have to be honest with you when I was doing that. I was a little bit nervous at the time. I'd always worked for in construction with my father. So that was a big jump moving from the construction world into the manufacturing world. But the next thing is what happened is uh, I was tested. I had to take a written test of various things from mental shapes and aptitude tests. And I usually get nervous with these kinds of tests. But folks, I uh, obviously I passed, but it was kind of nerve-wracking at the time. And the third thing that they did is they, they hired me. But back then, it wasn't easy, as easy to get hired into Pellet Corp as it is today. Matter of fact, they even call it roll screen. We don't hear that word much used anymore. But we have a day of we had a day of tours and meetings. And then, then they uh, uh, put me into my place of uh, where I would be working. And the following day, it was off to work. See, even work at Pellicorp, we had a prerequisite and the price of working. There was no longer was the freedom to come and go that I experienced in the construction world. I punched a clock from 6.30 to 4. No longer out in the sun in the summer, but I was under a roof in the wintertime. That was a prerequisite to work. And with that being said, there's a price to whatever world that you choose to do and whatever places of work that you do. But the same is true if you if you choose to follow Jesus. There is a prerequisite. Jesus constantly reminded his disciples of what following him meant. The first disciples Jesus called were Simon, Peter, and Andrew. If you go to the book of Matthew 4, 18-20, Jesus comes up to the two brothers while they were fishing. They were throwing their nets into the water, fishing and making a living. Jesus says, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. In verse 20, it says, they left their nets all at once and they followed him. See, the prerequisite was to fish for people, and the price was to that for them was to leave their careers to follow him. I don't think at that moment they had a clue of what they were actually getting into, but for some reason, these men were memorized. There was something about Jesus that allowed them to move from what they did as a fisherman and become a disciple and follow follow him. Now, bear in mind, these men were unlearned men. These men were the worked with their hands. The fishermen, a lot of these men that um, followed Jesus were fishermen. But I have to ask myself, if I was asked to leave my career and follow Christ, would I? It's easy to say uh, for sure, but I would, I would do that if he asked me, but, but would I? But to follow Jesus and to be one of his, his disciples, you must understand the prerequisite of what it means to follow him. So what does that look for us today? What does it look like to being a follower of Jesus Christ, to truly being a disciple? What is the prerequisite in which we have to engage in our lives and give up in order to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And then this morning, we're going to look at what it means to have a prerequisite to be a disciple. So Christian discipleship, by the way, is the process by which disciples grow in the Lord and are equipped by the indwelling of Holy Spirit. With that being said, you overcome the pressures and trials of this present life and become more like Jesus. I think that gives us a general view. But this morning, I hope we dig in this morning and look and see exactly what that looks like. What is the prerequisite? What is the price that it takes to follow Christ? So my first point is this, putting Jesus first in all things. So if you got your Bibles this morning, we're going to go to Mark chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 34 through 38 this morning and get a glimpse of what that looks like for us today starting with 
verse 34, this is what it says. Then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous days and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? It talks about the prerequisite, what what it, what he's looking at. But I want to. I just want to show you this morning that that we are to be set apart in the world. And so let's look at it from three different ways. Set apart from the world. I ask myself, do we see a distinction? between a disciple of Christ and looking like the world. I think that's a good good comment to make this morning, but I think that's a question that all of us can ask ourselves. Do we see a difference? Do we see things that are set apart from the people who are disciples and those who are not? Do people see a difference in the words that I use, or do I speak just like any other man? Do I speak life or do I speak death? There should be a distinction on how my words and how I use them. Now, I'm not trying to say I'm in perfection or being holier thou than in the words that we speak, but there is a difference. I also think there's there should be a difference in the way we worship in our churches. Does it look more like a rock concert as to a worship service? We need more worship leaders in our churches today than we need to have rock stars or entertainers that bring us to the very Lord ourselves. And I think that's one of the ways that we show the distinction to be set apart from the word. Now, the other one is this. Does the focus of my life please Jesus? Where's my favor? This past this past Thursday, we had a big snowstorm. I talked about Mahaska County. And we supposedly had anywhere from, from 7 to 9 inches. And I drove into Oski from New Sharon about 5.30 in the morning. See, the road, the road that I drove on as I was traveling had heavy snow on it. I couldn't put my brights on my truck because the, it hindered my focus on the road. So where's the focus? If I wasn't for sure where I was, if it wasn't for those um, uh, bumps in the road and making that noise, I would not know for certain of where I was. See, we often can put our focus and life on other things as to letting my focus be on Christ. There's a song named by, uh, that's called the Be Thou My Vision. And it kind of goes like this. If you look at the lyrics, I'm just going to just touch on these. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night, wake or sleeping, thy presence my light. And again, where's your focus? You were looking at that this morning. Does, you, does the focus of my life please Jesus? And there's one more portion of that we got to look at real quick too is this. Put off self-centeredness and put on Christ-centeredness. It's easy to allow your life to be centered on you, isn't it? Focused on that. We live in a what I call a Burger King culture that demands have it your way. We struggle with that at times and our flesh wants to override our spirit and off we go. Losing sight on Jesus is because it's all about you. And I think that's important today as we look at this, being a disciple and discipleship itself. It isn't about you. It isn't about what God, what you think that I should be pleased with. It's about having a having a, a, a centered, have centeredness focused on Christ Himself. But let's keep going this morning to point number two. 
following Jesus and his teachings. Now we're going to go this morning to John chapter 8. Now I want to show you something in the, in, in the Bible here where it talks about that, following Jesus' teaching. And we're going to look at verses 31 through 32. And it says this, Jesus said to his disciples who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to me and my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now that's big, isn't it? We got a lot that's going on in those on those just uh, two couple of verses. But Jesus speaks to the people who did, in fact, believe in him. To stay and to believe into the word of God and doing so would grow in discipleship and that would be proof of their salvation. Isn't that cool when you think about it? The very proof of the salvation that you have in your own life is in the way that you read God's word. Are you disciplined? Are you in it? And not are you reading it, but are you living it? See, Jesus emphasized that the following, what he, what he taught them, and that he said he would make them into disciples, to follow every word and to believe that it's truth. See, today we often see denominations, I think, strain away from the truth of what the Bible is speaking. I'm not going to go down that, that rabbit hole this morning, but we can see that denominations are breaking down, walking away from truth of what God's word says and conforming to the status quo of what is so-called truth that you want to follow. We live in it today is what's your truth instead of looking to, to the Bible and looking to what truth is. I don't know about you, but I don't trust my truth because I can become jaded. I can be jaded in my observations, the way I think. I can also, too, be jaded in the way the, the culture and the things come, come against me and try to speak into my life. So it's important for me to always have a relationship, not only in a prayer time, but also, too, that I take time of reading God's Word. And I promise you, folks, that is a game changer that I've experienced on my own life, and I believe you will as well, if you want to be one of Christ's disciples. See, one thing we do that we see throughout the Bible is a rim that, that, that doesn't break or cower to, main, to the mainstream. A true disciple follows God's word and follows the truth in it. Without it, without a doubt, the truth of the Bible and following Jesus sets every person free. You can truly experience and walk in freedom if you follow Jesus' teaching. You will know exactly where you are, where you're headed, and the expectations that Christ has for you, and he helps make your path straight in life. And I think that's just really important for us today because we're all looking, where's the path? Where's the straightness in the path? Follow again, follow Jesus' teachings. When you follow Jesus' teachings, that's a prerequisite of what it means to be a disciple. But let's keep going. We're going to look at bearing fruit. Now, this is kind of some good stuff here. We're going to go to John chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8 and see what it means to bear fruit. These are all red letter words that Jesus spoke, and uh, we're jumping in with uh, Jesus being the vine, but we're going to start with verse 5. He says this, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you, will, you are my true disciple. That brings great glory to God, my Father. Now, here's, here's some interesting things this morning as we're, as we're looking at. See, bearing, bearing fruit as a disciple, uh, many of you might be asking the question, now help me understand exactly what does that mean? It means to abide in Jesus and to have a relationship with him. 
as part of your walk in Christ. It's when you remain in Christ by worshiping, reading the Bible, praying, sacrificing your life so that you are walking in harmony with Jesus. It takes all those factors, folks, to be true in the vine in which you can possibly um, bear fruit. Now, if you travel the countryside in Iowa, I love this, you'll see more and more, I've seen more and more uh, vineyards that are popping up over all the horizons that are going. And matter of fact, my understanding, the state will actually help you and give you some funding. But see, this is what I noticed with somebody who who has a vineyard. Those of uh, those that are taking out vineyards and, and, and grow grapes, obviously they have wineries and that's part of the reason why you, why would you not have a winery if you're not trying to grow grapes or you're producing for another person. But if you see this, every fall you will see the grower pruning back the dead branches or those that didn't produce well. He notices it. He sees it. He gets rid of it because it's not part of the vine. The vine is where the life is at. And if the and if the branches are going out and not hooked into the vine, this is what happens. They get cut off and thrown into a wagon or a back of a side-by-side and thrown away or burnt up. So if you kind of got to get that in your mind with me a second of what that might look like, that's what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus was using that analogy about being a true disciple. Those that yield and bear fruit by abiding in Jesus, that fruit will come. In verse 8, it says that we can bear much fruit. That is the goal of every disciple. What kind of fruit are you growing? How does bearing fruit look like? Here's some examples. Leading someone to Jesus for the first time. You know, oftentimes, if we're going to bear fruit, we should be bearing fruit of other people. We should be coming into uh, acquaintances with other people and leading them to Christ. I, I'm amazed of how many people of Christian faith have never uh, helped someone come to to faith in Christ or led them or led them to Jesus. But see, another way that you can do it too is by bearing fruit. Is this is leading a Bible study or helping believers in their faith? Man, what a great opportunity to do that is leading a Bible study. I lead I lead two Bible studies and I do on new uh, for vital men. I do one in. Uh, right here in Oskaloosa on Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Men, if you're, if you're interested in that, we're studying the second, uh, second Samuel, looking at the life of David. But what I love about that is the teaching, not only am I growing in it, but through me and through the teaching that we do, it helps other men and people grow. That's just another way. For some, it's loving and teaching children. Man, I, I love it when I go out and see, especially in churches where they do, um, kids ministry and do it well. I always th- say there's three components to a healthy church. Number one, there is success in the children's ministry. Children are made a priority in the church. That's important because they are the new generations coming up and through and that helps guide them. Number two, worship. I think worship is essential within a church. If it's going to abide and bear fruit, the worship has got to be all about Jesus and not about the worshiper. And I think that's before, as I was going back, I'm not going to beat that again, but it's important that we have worship leaders that are there for the right reason to bring us and lead us to, to worship to Jesus. Although I always tell this to our worship leaders when we get ready to go, light them up. Why do I say that? Because through worship, it opens the heart, the window of a person's heart to receive the word of God. Number three, I think is important is, is teaching. We got to have te- have uh, men, uh, men up front teaching the word of God that is speaking truth. That's essential. You have those three, co- three components, you are going to have a successful church. And for some, maybe it's, it's through cooking. 
My mom, she did that too. She, that woman loved to cook and I can't get over how many people I still meet today that share with me, oh, your mother made my wedding cake. Oh, your mother made this cake for a birthday cake. These different things. But my mom, the extension of bearing fruit was through cooking. And the other ones is to do acts of kindness of service. Man, I tell you what, one of the acts of kindness was done for me. I had a good a friend of ours in our, in our church by the name of Dennis, who when I got my knee replaced, I couldn't drive for three weeks. That man came and picked me up and took me to therapy twi twice a week. And, and I got to get it done again. And he come up and asked me again. He would love to help me with that. Man, acts of kindness and service. That's another way of bearing fruit. But let's keep going. Number four, loving, loving other disciples. And we're going to go to John chapter 13. I want to show you that this morning about what that means is to loving other disciples. And we're going to look at verses 34 and 35. And this was what it says. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you, and you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay, here we go. How's the question of disciple, disciple doing with this one? I want to share that I'm excited about the church that I go to in New Sharon. I love it. I, I, I serve at Lighthouse Church, and these are some of the things that when I went there, what I experienced and I, and, and I hope that oftentimes we, you do too at your own church. The people there were friendly and loving. The first time my wife and I went in, we were looking for a church and, and that, was, that was, showed kindness and loving towards each other. And when my wife sat down, she said, this is it. This is the place we need to go. See, people were friendly and kind. It was real. No fakeness. No pre-manufactured kindness. Matter of fact, the first Sunday we went, we also had a brunch. We didn't know about it, but they had food and they invited us to stay. And we met new people and felt right at home all because of their kindness and the love they showed for us. So how do we get how, how we get there? How we got to that church was by by the man by a band a, uh, by the name of Earl. He actually attended another church, but he told us to go there. That was love and obedience on his part. Now, fast forward, Earl and his wife now come to our church, and Earl and his wife love Jesus and love on people that come to our church, and they're not even members yet. And I just love that, man. They just jumped right in and started doing it. In my mind, we are having a real authentic love for each other. Like other churches, we aren't perfect, for sure, but we have struggles from time to time, but we are loving each other, growing deeper into God's Word, leaning on to love each other for who we are. We are a small church, but... Most of us know each other and are and know each other's names, but it's real, folks. It's just a real thing. We have worship. We have a worship team that isn't a rock star band, but they sound good together, and we have real worship. I think people today are looking to what's real on real on loving each other. We have a woman by name Kanitha. She's the she's the prayer woman. She's the prayer warrior of our church. She reminds me of the the woman on the movie The War Room. She's a she she goes to prayer. She's not she comes in and she has not a list but a booklet of people she's praying for of current and people that she's prayed for in the past. This woman is a pillar in our church and I love her and she's a sister in the Lord and she helps me pray and go deeper in my own prayer life. That's what loving on other disciples do. Now, I'm almost finished. Point number five, we're going to go to Matthew this morning. Man, we are jumping around a little bit, but aren't you excited about what God is doing? Number five is this, make disciples of, other, of others. We're going to look at uh, Matthew 
28, 18 through 20. And these are the last words spoken in Matthew. And it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, disciples multiply. This is one of the last commands Jesus tells his disciples to do. Go make disciples of all nations. This involves evangelism and sharing the gospel message. Our church is going to have, I'm excited about this, to have a citywide Easter egg hunt in our community in New Sharon. It's going to be on April 8th at the New Sharon football field. The football, uh, the, uh, I'm excited about that, has opened us up. We're going to we're going to have the who I call Crazy Steve, the pig kicker, and his son are going to be dropping eggs from the sky and flying over his, his crazy flying machine. And we're going to have an Easter bunny there. And the man who makes balloons is going to be there into animals. We're going to love on people in our community with no strings attached. We're going to love people right where they are are and give a portion of the gospel message of right of what it should be. In 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it says that Jesus trained the 11 who spent the rest of their lives living and being disciples of other, of other men and women. He created a pattern and told his men to teach it to the nations. So you see, folks, the prerequisite of being a disciple is to multiply. I believe we are about to embark on one of the greatest awakenings of at end times that any of us have ever experienced. I shared I shared that with you this morning because I believe that is part of what it means to be get ready for discipleship. Because if there's going to be a, a, an awakening, if there's going to be a, a re, revival, or there are going to be those that are going to come back to the Lord, we need to be make ready and be a disciple. So. I'm hoping the next two, we got two more weeks about what it means to be a disciple in Christ. And I'm excited about this teaching. But what is God calling for you this morning? What's the prerequisite? Are you ready to sign up? Are you ready to allow Jesus Christ to lead your life and the Holy Spirit to empower you so you can go and multiply and make more disciples? What an exciting time that we live. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Jesus, again, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here and speak to your people. I pray a blessing on the people that are out there this morning. May the Lord be upon them. May his face show upon him. May they be blessed by everything they do and be a blessed in the peace of Jesus Christ, of knowing who they are in him, that they truly are one of his disciples. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for all that you have done in our lives. And we will look forward to the day of your return. In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, what a great time to, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. No greater day than today to make changes in your life, to be a disciple and disciple other men and women into the kingdom of God. This is Mike Sarig, the voice of Vital Ministries.